just grateful to be here with you today, ready to wrap our series um, on people called people problems. So before we start, I certainly need it. Maybe you need it too. Uh, could we just spend a moment getting our hearts right before God this morning and, and praying together? God, we thank you so much for this opportunity we have to gather together and to worship you. It's uh, something we don't always take time out to do. Forgive us for that. But here we are in this space, all coming from different places in life, all having different weeks, different days, different burdens on our heart, different questions on our minds, and we're gathered here to hear from you, not to hear from me. We're after your voice, not after my voice. We're seeking you, not more of ourselves. So we pray that uh, you'd give us clarity and wisdom and conviction and encouragement and you know our hearts, whatever, whatever it is we need, whatever, whatever it is we need from you, you be the one to do the good work this morning in us. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, welcome 930. We are certainly glad you are here. And those of you that are joining us at our Tremont location, man, we miss you. I miss you. I hope you're having an awesome morning up there. I'm sure it has been spectacular. Um, Paul probably just crushed it. And uh, we're glad you're joining us. And uh, we are jumping into our very last message in what seems like a series that has lasted forever like almost, are you sick of it yet? I'm, somebody said yes. Like I'm, I'm not sure, maybe I am too. <laughs> We've been in this, this uh, series called People Problems. We all got people problems. And I just, since we're wrapping up this series, I just wanna say congrats on solving all your people problems during this series. Isn't it so nice to be able to say, we finished it. It's been like 12 weeks or whatever, and now I'm fixed. <laughs> the reality is, no matter how much time and intention you put into your relationships, there's always something that needs work. There's always an area we can grow in. That's just how relationships are. And if you're coming in here and you're like, man, I just need that magic bullet to fix my relationship. I just need that one thing that's going to fix everything, make it all right, Plunge me into new depths of intimacy and care and love and fix all my work problems and fix my kids. and all. Guess what? It's not like that. This is about faithfully following Jesus over an extended period of time. And as you do that, seeing the fruit as you live how he has called us to live in relationships. While I certainly am trying to grow in this area myself and while we don't have like the one answer that's going to fix all your people problems. Hopefully this series has uh, pointed out some things that maybe you could use a little growth in. Maybe some areas you could work on in your relationships. Uh, but even if you put all of it together to this point, even if you set all the healthy boundaries and you press deeply into forgiving somebody, even if you learn how to deal with your loneliness in a healthier way and deepen, use it as an opportunity to deepen your connection with God, even if you learn how to handle anger and keep bitterness from your heart and all the different things that we have talked about in this series that will help you grow 
in your relationship with God and deep in your relationship with others, if you get all that right and you get this one wrong, none of it matters. Not any of it. The message this morning is called, don't, grab your pen. You write this down. This is deep. You ready? The title for the message this morning is called, Don't Be a Gong. Don't be a gong. And what I want to talk to you about is the missing ingredient, the one thing that is so important. It's probably the toughest thing. It's the greatest calling in all of Scripture. It's a call to love. Now, I think we need to grow. All of us need to grow in this area of love. It's, it's easy when we think about, it's, it's challenging, but easier to think about loving people that are like us, loving people we care about us. But the call from Scripture is to like love everyone, to show love to our enemies, to people who are different than you, to people who believe different than you, think different than you, act different like, than you. There's like no excuse made in Scripture for not loving people the way Christ has loved us. Now that's extremely difficult, especially when you consider that when we talk about love, when we, when we think about love, most of the time what we think about is a feeling as it's applied to a romantic relationship or a very deep platonic relationship like your BFF, right? Like your, it, when, when I talk about love, that's probably the first place your mind goes, to your significant other, to your best friend, and you start thinking about how, have I, have I been loving them well? Have I been loving them good? It's such a limited way of thinking about love. We think about love just in those terms. It's, it's a feeling. It's how I feel towards the people I'm closest to. It's such a small picture. And, and can I just be, maybe this is challenging, but it's a, it's a very weak picture of love. And so it makes sense to me that we also use the word in a weak ways. Like just last night, I said, I love this ice cream. Right? Like, I, <laughs> I love these chairs. I love coming to church. I love watching the Phillies win. I don't love watching Craig Kimbrell pitch. Like, like we just love, we use the word, we think about love in platonic relationships and we use the word love in such superficial kind of, kind of meaningless ways. That's how we think about it and that's how we talk about it. But here's another point to write down. Love is not how I feel about ice cream. Love isn't just how I feel about my bestie. Love isn't how I feel about that person I'm all like I'm all, you know, when you're first in love and you get all excited and you stay on the phone for three hours and, like, you do all that weird stuff, right? Like, love is not, that's not, that's not love. Maybe there's pieces of it. Maybe it's, like, sort of on your way. Maybe it's a start. Maybe, maybe it's just a, a fraction, but it's such a small definition. No wonder we struggle in loving others the way we're supposed to love. But if we could, if we could really start to love others the way we're supposed to, if we could really get this idea that love is not a feeling, love is not attraction, love is not something you catch like the flu. I had a, I had a one of my, I shouldn't even say 
how I heard this, but like a, a kid told me the other day, like I caught feelings. That's not love. You don't catch it. It's not a virus. If we could understand that love is so much bigger, maybe then it would transform our relationships. Maybe then, like you, get, you get clues of it. Ask anybody who's been married 50 plus years what they define as love. They're not going to talk about attraction. Because <laughs> after you've been married 50 years, there's probably nothing left that's attractive. <laughs> Too far, I know. Right, like, it's, it's I'm going to get myself in all kinds of trouble. It's, uh, they don't talk about it in regards to a fleeting feeling. That kind of love is talked about in terms of, like, a deepness, an enduring act of will, a commitment, an action in serving others. You see, love is so much more than a feeling, it's, it's an action. It's not something you catch, it's something you do. And because of that, it's a choice that you make every day to love someone even when you don't feel it, to serve someone even when you'd rather not, to raise someone up higher than yourself even when you would rather be the one to sit on the throne of your life for a while. It's, it's an action, and because it's an action, it's a choice, and because it's a choice, it's something that you do not out of your feelings or heart. It's something that you do out of your will. Your will. It's so much more than what would, we would like let on in the way we talk about it and the way we think about love. Matthew 22, you flip your Bible or open your device there if you want to follow along. Matthew 22, the uh, religious leaders had been challenging Jesus, trying to trip him up and trick him, and the Sadducees just shot their shot and missed, and the Pharisees watched them get shot down, and they were like, oh, let's, one, trick Jesus, and two, let's show that we are smarter than those other religious leaders. Aren't religious leaders just downright ridiculous sometimes? Sometimes I'm like, man, I don't know if I want to be in this category. <laughs> Better walk very carefully. Uh, it says this in verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And, wait a minute, there's an end? Like, let's rewind the tape. You guys don't even know what tapes are. <laughs> Who am I kidding? Some of you still rocking eight tracks. <laughs> um, he asked what the one thing was. Why is there an end here? And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And then, then here's what I want you to like underline or pay attention to. This is the part that changes everything. They had heard that part before. 
That, that's the golden rule. They had been acquainted with those two rules out of their 613 rules. They were rule people. They loved their rules, like super nerdy about the rules. 613, they, they had heard those two things before. And at this point, they're probably a little shocked that Jesus didn't just give one because they asked for one, but that he kept going and he went on two. But they would have been flabbergasted. I can't believe I used that word in a message. At this next verse, all the law, 613 rules they had for following God and experiencing him. And the prophets, all the people God had sent to them in the Old Testament to bring his word to them, to convict them, to have them look at their hearts, to push them past the rules into what was most important. Prophets like Hosea who said, I, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Prophets like Jeremiah. Prophets like Daniel. Like all these prophets hang on these two commands. That's the part that would have thrown everyone. What's the greatest? Well, I got two for you. And there's some truth in it. The greatest thing you can do is love God and love others. The most important thing you should leave church working on every week, it's not the practical steps we laid out about how to set healthy boundaries. Those are good, and it's from scriptures meaningful, but it's not the most important. Like the most important thing, Jesus didn't put any qualify. there was no guessing about it, there was no confusion, there's no room for some preacher somewhere to screw up the interpretation of it. Love and love. The two to answer the one, the greatest of all of the things, 613 laws, that was their outward expression of their relationship with God. That was the checklist that they kept, the sacrifices that they made, the times they attended temple. That was all the stuff that, that was listed there about like this is how you live in right relationship with God. 613, Six, I'm really glad God summarized that for us because I can't even... You know, I can't remember what I had for breakfast, let alone 613 rules. I'm not good at following the few rules I understand, let alone six. That's like, can't do it. 613, this was their outward. And all the prophets. This was the inward look. The outward expression, the inward look. Everything the prophets had challenged them with, told them to do. How the prophets had pointed at their hearts and said, you got to fix this. you got to honor God better this way. What are you doing chasing these false gods? This is the real God. Don't you remember the prophet said? Don't you remember how he walked you out of Egypt, how he did all these things? Don't you remember all this miraculous? All of the outward and the inward instruction, correction, encouragement, conviction that they had felt was all hanging on. Interesting enough, that word hang is the same word in the Greek that they use to describe someone on a cross. Hanging. All of it hangs on 
those two things, how are you loving God this week? How are you loving others? How are you loving your wife? How are you loving your kids? How are you loving your boss, your mother-in-law? How are, you, how are you loving people that are different than you? People who believe different than you. People who act different than you. How are you loving people that annoy you? People that, drive, people that make you angry? How are you loving Dallas Cowboy fans? <laughs> you see, everything else, it hangs on that. It hangs on it. Like, if you get these two right, everything else will fall into place. If you get these two things right, you end up, even without much effort, getting everything else right. But if you get these two things wrong, it doesn't matter how much you come to church, how much you can recite scripture to me, how smart you are, how theologically astute you are, how much you've learned off YouTube. It doesn't matter what, how self-righteous you are, how morally correct you are, how, how your life is all peachy and clean and you make all the right decisions and do all the right stuff, you know? You don't drink, you don't chew, and you don't girl, go with girls that do. Like, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> if you get this wrong, you end up getting everything wrong. And it all falls to pieces. See, it's, this is a big deal to God. So don't be a gong. In 1 Corinthians... There's enough gongs out there in life. You know what a gong is, right? It's like one of those big, weird-looking metal symbol things that hang down and somebody takes a, I don't know what they're called. I'm not a musician. Like, and wax it. A gongy thing. <laughs> Listen to this passage in 1 Corinthians 13. It says, yet I'll show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men, or of angels. Some of you are like, I speak in the tongue of angels. Doesn't matter how eloquent or nice you think you are. But I do not have love. I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Doesn't matter how right you are. How well you communicate how right you are. If you don't have love, might as well smash a metal thing. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Paul is describing what we would say is the spiritual pinnacle for human experience. Paul is describing something that a lot of preachers pretend to be. Paul is describing like this pinnacle of 
eloquence and spirituality. I know all the answers. I communicate all the answers. I, I, can, I can prophesy and tell you the future and tell you what you should or shouldn't do about this job thing you got coming up. I can give you deep insight into your life. I, I can move mountains. I have so much faith. I pray and they just move and the obstacles fall. Look at that. But if I don't have love, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. So don't be a gong. I wonder how many times I'm walking around feeling good about myself. I wonder how many times you're walking around your house feeling good about yourself, right? Feeling like, man, I'm right this time. You know, I may not have been right every other time, but I'm right this time. I'm going to let them know. I wonder how many times like, I walk around and I'm like feeling good about myself, wise, I have some insight, I'm going to tell my family how to live and how to do this and how to do that, and all they hear is gong, 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 gong. Why aren't they listening to me? Why aren't they, why are my kids doing their own thing? Why are these people seem to get further and further from me? Why is the person I care most in my life it feels like there's a wall up? I'm saying all the right stuff. I'm doing all the right stuff. Maybe it's because gong, gong, gong. You haven't loved well. I haven't loved well. I haven't served. I haven't sacrificed. I haven't put them first. There are shamefully too many times that I bet my voice sounds like a gong or a clanging cymbal instead of a life-giving voice of a loving father, husband, or friend. How about you? Maybe you've been walking around saying the right things and it's not being heard. But it's not being heard because they're being stubborn or have written you off or because they're a jerk, because they're just not willing to listen. Maybe it's not being heard because you just haven't been loving the way God has called you to love. It's hard. It's so hard. The stark reality is found in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7. Listen to how. Oh, dear friends, let us love one another. Love comes from God. Have you heard this before? This is good. Instead of using morality as a measuring stick for who's in and who's out, maybe this. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love, this is the hard part, does not know God because God is love. You know, you know that verse, I can manage it when it's talking about my kids. Right? So I screwed up, but I love them and I try. And I'm growing and I, and I hope I'm better as a dad tomorrow than I am today and then, and then I'm better the next day and then I'm better the next day and then I'm a little bit better than, I hope that's my hope and that's, that's my prayer. It's easy to think about this in that context of that but it is dangerous to, 
to read this verse when I'm thinking about my enemies and the people that annoy me. The people I want to create really long videos and post them on Facebook just to shut them up. The people I see who are just blasting their opinion all over the place and I just want to cut them down so they don't think they're as smart as they really are. It's really hard for me to think about this verse when I hear preachers that are using their platform to peddle something other than Jesus and they're doing it with hate and anger. It's really hard for me to think about them and think about this verse because if I can't love even my enemies, I'm missing something in my understanding of who God really is. It says in verse 9, this is how he showed his love among us. He sent this one and only son into the world that we may live through him. This is a definition of agape love. It's the highest kind of love. The Bible talks in this Greek language a a couple different kinds of loves. Like phileo is the Greek word for friendship kind of love. And uh, agape is the highest calling of love. It's It's the kind of love that God demonstrates to us. It's the kind of love that Jesus demonstrates to us, has for us, has for the world. So here's an example of it. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is love. It's not that they love me. He said, I'm supposed to love them. This is love. It's not that I feel love from them. It's that I'm supposed to show love to them by following his example. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This love is impossible. Real love is impossible if you have not known and experienced this love from God. And it goes on and it says, no one has ever seen God But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. The fix for our relationships is love. The fix for our relationships is drawing closer to God, experiencing his love. And then, once we have done those two things, it's loving like he loves. That's the fix. That's how to love your spouse better. That's how to love your kids better. That's how to love your friends better, your coworkers. That's what makes it possible to love even your enemies. It's understanding this love is not a feeling. It's not about my ice cream. It's deeper than that. It's bigger than that. It's a deep connection. It's following God, and the only way I can do that is to draw closer to him and to know and experience his love. And you can spend all the time in the world trying to fix your relationship. But if you have not experienced the first command God gave, then it will be impossible to love like this in your home. It's agape love. It's the highest form of love. It's the kind of love Jesus has for us. It's sacrificial. It's strong. It's serving. It's hard. 
and it's what we're called to. John 13, 34, Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he said, you've heard it said, to love your neighbor as yourself. A new command I give you. Love each other the way I have loved you. And Jesus has loved me so good. He's been faithful to me even when I have not been faithful to him. He's shown up for me when no one else has shown up for me. He has lathered me in his grace, unmerited favor and pardon. His love has been unfailing. And I'm supposed to love the people he puts into my world the way he has loved me. I'm going to talk about something that will revolutionize your relationships. Is Stop treating love like it's some sort of feeling or attraction or something you catch like the flu. Stop treating it like that. Understand that this agape love, it is deep and meaningful and it's about choice and it's about your will and it's about commitment and it's about showing up and it's about sacrificing and it's about lifting others above you. 1 Corinthians 13, study it later, we don't have time, but it says this, defining agape love, love is patient, it's kind. So show kindness to even the people you don't like. It does not envy It's not boastful, it's not proud, it's not about me. It does not dishonor others, it's not about cutting them down. It's not about cutting anybody down. It's about lifting them up. It's not self-seeking. My relationships are no longer defined by what I get out of it. It's not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with truth, is discerning. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. Your God, we thank you so much for your love for us. You have demonstrated that love on a cross that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. What an incredible the greatest act of love humankind has ever and will ever know. Help us not to be like gongs, clanging voices, spewing out. Help us to learn to love others well. The people we're close to, but not just the people we're close to. The people who vote differently than us. The people who think differently than us. The people who live differently than us. Help us to love like you have loved. We ask all this in Jesus' name.